My name is James, and I serve in the student ministry here. Uh, and today we're going to open up to Proverbs 16, uh, <laughs> yeah, 16 verses 1 to 9. Um, and that should be, uh, if you guys don't have a Bible, that there should be one under the seat in front of you, or if you're in the front row, under your seat. Um, and it should be on page 505 in those black Bibles. And once we're there, let's just stand in reverence to God's word and read this passage. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is, is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your, wor your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in the heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, and he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with unjust, injustice. The heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. This is the word of the Lord. You may sit. Thanks, James. Good morning. Again, Flourishing Grace, my name is Benjamin. If we didn't meet earlier, welcome to Flourishing Grace. My name is Benjamin, and I'm one of the pastors at Flourishing Grace. And over um, the last number of months, we've been in this series called Kingdom Wisdom, where we've been walking through Proverbs. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think I said this a few weeks ago, but I, I've just been blown away and really grateful for our staff, for, for our guest preachers, um, for our lead shepherds coming up and preaching. Um, if you're new, uh, our, our pastor of Preaching and Vision, Pastor Josh Knight, has been on sabbatical since May, and he's due back very, very soon. In fact, the, the first sermon he'll be giving here at Flourishing Grace is actually at Sunday in the Park on September 10th, so that's another reason to go and to be there. Uh, but it's, it's been a fun summer, and, and we're coming right up to the end of, of this series. Now, before we really dive in, I want to ask um, a, a question of all of us. Um, and don't worry, I know last week we talked about sex, or, or John was, was preaching that. Okay, so this is not going to be like an awkward question, anything like this, but it is going to be an all-skate. If this is true of you, please raise your hand. Um, if you are, raise your hand, if you are facing any kind of a decision, it doesn't have to be a huge decision. It doesn't have to be like, man, this is life-changing. Um, but, but some sort of decision might be an A or B decision where there's a fork in the road. It might be one of those decisions where there's so many options and you're just not really sure what to do. And it's got some significance for your life. Like it, it, it may not change decades from now, but, but it'll change this semester. It'll change this school year. It'll change the next season of your life. Anybody facing any of those decisions here? Yeah, that's a lot of us. And if you're not, um, the, the day is coming because all of us at some point in time or another um, face some of these decisions. And, and, and while that's true of you and me, uh, it's not just the big decisions that, that mean a lot or that make a huge difference. 
Um, really, in many ways, we are and where we are in life is the culmination of the smaller decisions that, that we don't even remember, that we don't even think about as we've gone about our days and we've gone about our weeks and our months and our years. Uh, where we are, in many ways, is the culmination of those decisions. And, and each of us is really facing decisions each and every day, uh, whether we understand it or not. And, and as we've been walking through Proverbs, what I've kind of realized this week is that when we talk about wisdom, because Proverbs is about wisdom, how do we, how do we live life wisely? and not just like being smart, but in light of who God is, how he created the world, how he created us. Like what is the wise way to navigate our life if we want to be kingdom-minded people? And, and especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus, I understand not everybody in this room is a follower of Jesus. As, as we follow Jesus, as we follow the king, King Jesus, and, and, and we live in his kingdom, what are the ways that he wants us to live? As we've been kind of navigating that, um, today is actually the topic that a lot of people think of when they think about making wise choices or wise decisions, because today we're going to be talking about those choices and decisions that we make on a weekly basis, some of the big ones that, that kind of dictate the, the direction of our lives, and even the smaller ones that we don't even realize, but also matter, uh, matter in terms of where we end up and how our life goes. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And there's two things that, that I really hope today accomplishes. And, and, and if I don't, I'm sorry, you can tell me at the end if it does. First of all, um, for many of us, it is the, the future that, that brings us a lot of anxiety and the unknown. And, and it's not so much just the unknown, but it's really, and I've got these decisions, and, and, and maybe this is just me in this room, but, but we can make the wrong decisions. And sometimes we have anxiety and, and worry about those decisions. And so I'm hoping today, um, I, I can't make these decisions for you, but I'm hoping today that, that what we talk about kind of relieves a little bit of that anxiety. But I hope today also helps us to navigate this world in a way that we can live for King Jesus and his kingdom, and also navigate these choices. Now, I, I need to say something before we get started. This is something that's true of you, something that's true of me. Maybe it's just true of me. Maybe I'm just confessing up here, and this is free therapy. Thank you very much for being here for that. But, but this is how we often navigate choices in our world. We take um, our circumstances, we take our, our past circumstances, we take our past experiences, we take our desires, we take the dreams that we have in life. We all have dreams. We all have a preferred future. We all have a way that we want things to go. And we take what's happening, we take the crisis, we take the choice, we take our desires, all these things, and, and we kind of know the way that we want them to go. And so we take all of that, and then we try to zap a little bit of God's wisdom into that. Right? We, we, we try to say, God, I need a little bit of wisdom. If you could just inject a little bit of wisdom about exactly what I should do here, and then you can go away. Like This is, this is how it works. If you, if you work with kids, or you've known kids, or maybe you have kids, uh, you, you might understand understand how this works. In my house, school just started, and um, I love helping out with math because I majored in math, and confession, I went to math camp, okay? Now you know. And I love helping my kids with math. It's a ton of fun, and this is usually how it works, though. Like, homework is happening, and there's a problem, and dad, I need some help with this problem. Great. Dad, I am happy to be the benevolent, uh, you know, just, just purveyor of mathematical wisdom. And we're going to talk about this, and, and we need to back up. And, and usually what happens is I get like a quarter or a third of the way through the explanation, and then it's, okay, Dad, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it from here. You can, you can go away, and I've got, okay. And then the next problem comes up, which happens to be exactly like the other problem, just with different numbers. Dad, 
I, I need some help. Okay, I come in, we got the explanation, and a quarter of the way through the explanation, okay, da, da, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, okay, you can go away. This is how we treat God sometimes when it comes to how we make decisions. Okay, God, I've got this thing going on. If you could just like inject some wisdom and inject some of that, you know, Jesus magic, then, then everything's going to be fine, and I know the plan, and I can take it from here. And this is what I want us to do today. I want us to take the wisdom, and again, this is, this is what we've been talking about all summer. The wisdom about who God is, how he created this world, how he created us, and especially for those of us who are followers of Jesus, his call on our life. Right? We were bought with a price, and so, so not only has he saved us, but he has called us to follow Jesus. And so because of that, in light of all of that, what I want us to do is I want to then take our circumstances, which are weighty, God cares about them. I want us to take our choices, which are significant. God wants us to be wise in our choices and take all that and lay that and conform that to what God is doing in this world, who he is, how he's created the world, who he's created us to be, and say, God, I want all of this to conform to who you are. Now, i got to be honest. If you've got a meeting tomorrow at 9 a.m. with your boss and you've got to give an answer and it's A or B and, and you're not sure like which way it's going to go, but it could be drastically different depending on what you choose, I'm not sure I can help. Like, I don't have an answer for you today. I don't have an answer for you today. But what I want is the way that we navigate these decisions is that come what may, we understand who holds our future, who holds our lives, and what it means in the midst of those choices, in the midst of that anxiety, in the midst of all of this chaos, what it means to surrender to Jesus. That's my hope for today, and that's where we're going to be going today. All right, so we're going to be walking through Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 9. Uh, I know we already read it. If you put it away, do me a favor, pick it back up again. I think it's on page 505 of uh, the Bibles in front of you, the black Bibles in front of you, uh, or you can pull it up on your phone or the Bible that you have. Um, Proverbs 16, verses 1 through 9. We're going to walk through these. Um, now, here is uh, where we're going to start. Here's where we're going to start. God holds the final answer. Verses 1 and 2, God holds the final answer. This is what it says. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Right? The plans of the heart belong to the man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. God holds the final answer. That's what this means. Now, if, if you're smart, and maybe you've kind of wrestled with this a little bit, so this has kind of brought this up, but, but what, what's happening here is Solomon, who wrote these, these Proverbs, remember, John talked about this a number of weeks ago, Solomon is writing to his son and pleading to his son, and so because this is inspired by the Holy Spirit, God is writing to us and pleading with us to live wisely and to follow him in his world. And, and what's happening here is Solomon is recognizing and bringing to light and, and admitting there's a tension between our plans and God being what's known as sovereign in our lives. God holds the final answer. The final answer is from his tongue. And, and plans are not a bad thing. Like, God created us to plan. Right? The fact that we were made in the image of God um, is, is indicative of the fact that, that we are relational beings. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It means that we are creative beings, that we were made to create things, we were made to, to, to make things that weren't there. That's not something that's just because of us. This is, this is the image of God in our lives. And because of all those things, we are rational human beings who can plan, who can strategize, who can look at different courses of action and say, okay, I think this is the wisest way to go. I think this is the best way way to go. And so plans are not a bad thing. God created us to plan, but he holds the final answer. So, man, 
what is this tension? Like, what's the point of planning if God holds the final answer? And, and I may not have an emotionally satisfying answer for you this morning, but this is kind of how I look at it. Since, since I've had kids, this has begun to make more sense to me. Um, I've, I've got five kids, and I want them to be loving, Jesus-following, uh, kind, smart, creative, um, just amazing human beings that make their own choices, that make their own decisions. Like, I want them to be independent. And I'm no perfect dad, but I understand the tension between wanting that for them and the fact that mom and dad in our house have the final answer. Our oldest just started high school this week. And I remember kindergarten. Now, to be honest, my oldest didn't want me to walk into the school in kindergarten. It was like, drop her off at the curb and buy. Okay, great. I'm glad you have it. But, but in general, I knew what was happening in kindergarten. I met the teacher. I kind of understood everything that was happening. In high school, uh, it, it's much different. Oh, I need to change this class, and I'm, I'm, I'm going into the office, and I'm going to figure this out, or I got to get this login. And, and she is making her own decisions, and, and that is incredible. Like That is what I want. However, mom and dad in our house hold the final answer. We manage that tension. Now, imagine that on a much larger scale. Again, we may not have an emotionally satisfying answer to that because God's ways are higher than our ways, and so we don't always get to see what he is doing. But God holds the final answer. In addition to that, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, verse 2, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Not only does he hold the final answer because he is sovereign, but he holds the final answer because he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Um, Another way to put this, Proverbs 21, verse 2, puts it this way. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. The Lord weighs the spirit. The Lord weighs the heart. You remember back um, in in, uh, 1 Samuel when when the prophet Samuel is supposed to pick the next king of Israel. Like God is going to reveal it to him, and he's going to tell everybody who the next king of Israel is. And it's going to be a son of Jesse. It's going to be part of the family of Jesse. And Jesse lines up his sons, and, and they are impressive. They look like kings. And Samuel's like, oh, this, this oldest, man, he is, he's smart, he's handsome, he's strong. This is the king for sure. And God says, no, 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 no. You look at his outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God knows you better than you know yourself. And so this is part of the reason why he holds the final answer, because we can do, tell me this is true of you, maybe it's just true of me, we can do the right things for the wrong reason. We can do the right things for the wrong reason. This is why, I, I encourage, this is one of the only pieces of practical advice you might get today from me. This is why, if you're facing a decision, you should surround yourself with people who love you, who love Jesus, and who know you well. And that last piece is really important because we can fool ourselves into all kinds of things. Like, Christians are great at over-spiritualizing things and getting the answer that we want. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. I remember when I was in college, I came to faith through something called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Anybody university in here? Any university folks here? Awesome. Great. Love InterVarsity. Um, one of my InterVarsity leaders, when I was a new believer, um, I had a problem. And because I was 19 years old in college, what that meant is uh, I had a problem with a girl. Okay. And I was, I was trying to navigate this, and I kind of knew what I wanted to happen. And, and I, was a, I was a new believer, but I had already learned, like, the prayer request trick where you're, like, talking about, ah, I just need some prayer for this. But really what you want is, is advice from somebody or that kind of thing. And as I was talking about it, I said, I don't know what to do. The leader, she stops me, like, in my tracks. She says, Avenger, sounds like you already know what you want to do, and you're just asking for permission to do it. I was like, you can't talk to me that well, right? I mean, like, but she was right. She was right. This is part of the reason why God holds the final answer, is because 
We have motives that we don't even understand. And sometimes when we're navigating decisions and God is doing something, it's because he understands our motives and he understands what he is doing inside of us. Next thing, God holds a better plan. Verse 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. God holds a better plan. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Now, we love this verse because we don't understand it. No offense. No offense, but we love this verse because we don't understand it. My plans will be established finally, Benjur. Like, I know what I want. I know what my plans are. I got my plan. Like, how, if I commit my work, what does that mean? How do I get the, the magic, you know, answer here so that I can have my plans established, that God will do what I want? But when we really read this, like, this is, this is actually opposite of what we want. What we want is commit your plans to the Lord. Like, we want God to rubber stamp those plans. And this is... Honestly, this is how many of us kind of approach our prayer lives. You do this, I do this, all right? We're all in this together. We know what we want, and we want that rubber stamp. God, I know what the right plan is. I just need you to agree with me. I'm coming to you in prayer so that you can agree with me. But prayer is really this, that we would enter into a relationship with God and a conversation of God where we would come out of it agreeing with God. And if we commit our work to the Lord, this is really what this means. If we commit our work to the Lord, what this means is, Everything we do, everything we have, it might be a literal nine-to-five job. It might be our parenting. It might be what we're doing in our neighborhood. It might, be, uh, it might be our marriage. It might be any number of things, but it's our entire life. We commit that to God. And ultimately, what this means is that we surrender all that we have and all of our decisions to God. And, and if we do that, then God's plans become our plans, what God wants becomes what we want. Uh, Psalm 37 puts it this way, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Again, we like that one. Great, I want the desires of my heart. No, 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 no. If you delight in the Lord, you'll love the things God loves. If you delight in the Lord, you'll want the things God wants. If you delight in the Lord, then the things that you plan, you're just really like, God, I want what you want. And, and, and since we are on the other side of a cross, what this means for those of us who are followers of Jesus, this is discipleship. This is committing everything we have to God. To follow Jesus really literally means just to, to follow Jesus. To be a disciple, to be a learner in Jesus' day was just simply the, the, to follow the rabbi around. And that's what we do in our lives. Every day we wake up and we, we say, Jesus, where to? And again, it doesn't mean that we don't plan. We already talked about this. God created us to plan. He created us to strategize. He created us to create because we are made in the image of God. But what this means is we wake up every day and we say, Jesus, where to? Everything I'm doing, it's all yours. One of the best definitions of discipleship, of following Jesus I've ever heard is this, is that every day we just surrender our yes to Jesus. Every day we surrender our yes to Jesus. Jesus whatever it is, the answer is yes. Where are we going? I, I got my plans. I got all these things. But listen, I commit it all to you. I commit it all to you, and I surrender my yes to you. And because of that, God's plans will become our plans. Because God holds a better plan. Next thing, God holds the bigger picture. Um, at this point, Solomon kind of begins to back up. He's, he's zoomed into this point. Okay, what does it mean that our plans intersect with, with God's answer, and how does this all work? And here he kind of zooms out and, and looks at the bigger picture of how our world works and, and, and some of the more weighty things of life. So it says this in verse 4, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go 
unpunished. God holds the bigger picture. The Lord has made everything for his purpose, which is something we get, you know, we get on board with. But, it, but if you're back in verse 1, some of you have been mulling this over in your, line, in your head, is back in verse 1, we said, okay, God holds the final answer. So if God holds the final answer, what do we do with the, the things that are evil in our world? What do we do with the, the people that are evil in our world? What do we do with the forces that are evil in our world? What do we do with the wicked? Like, God, where are you in the midst of this? And again, today, I don't know if we'll get to the bottom of that. I've been, I've been following Jesus since 1999. I'm not sure I'm at the bottom of that. But this much I do know. A couple of things. First of all, what this tells us is that nothing, even the wicked, are outside the purposes of God. Nothing, even the wicked, are outside the purposes of God. Rest assured, all sin will either be absorbed by Jesus, has been absorbed by Jesus on the cross, that we surrender ourselves to Jesus and he took our sin on the cross, or God will punish it for eternity. And yeah, this is weighty. This is something we don't like to think about often. But if this isn't true, there is no God. I mean, do you want a God that does not punish injustice? Do you want a God that says, man, this is, this is okay? And sometimes we need to back up and realize God holds the bigger picture. And then he goes on and says this in uh, verse 5. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. Like, this is, this is harsh, right? But this isn't talking about being just like a little bit of braggadocious. Like, oh, look at me. Arrogant. This word arrogant can also be translated proud. What this means is just to be big. Like, if this is you, you are trying to be bigger than God. This is somebody who, who kicks Jesus off the throne of their life and puts themselves as king of their lives. And the reason why that's an abomination is because we make really, really bad kings and queens. We do. We do. To surrender to Jesus means to humble ourselves, to make ourselves small and, and humble ourselves before King Jesus, which, of course, we don't want to do. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Um, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. And those to whom God says, In the end, Thy will be done. Ultimately, we will surrender ourselves to Jesus. Or if we, in the end, say, I want nothing to do with you, that is our eternal plight, is to be separated from God for eternity. Arrogance says no king but me, and humility says no king but Jesus. Next thing, God holds the good news. We're still, we're still back. Solomon's still kind of looking at the big picture. But then he says this. He's like, we can't have that part without this. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, verse 6, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I love this. I love this because right in the middle of this practical advice, like all of us come to this idea of decisions like, okay, I need some help. Okay, I'm with you now. I, I need to know how to make this decision. I need to know how to navigate this. I've got this thing coming up in a year. I've got this thing coming up tomorrow. Great, what do I need to do? And in the middle of this, God drops the gospel. God drops the good news, the good news. And, and here's how. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. That's not 
your steadfast love. That's not my steadfast love. That's God's steadfast love. And Solomon, remember Solomon, King Solomon, the descendants of David, um, this is the, the builder of the original temple. So in Solomon's mind, very likely, what he has is the sacrificialist system where a lamb dies instead of us, where because we sin, we present a lamb before God, and the lamb is sacrificed, the lamb dies instead of us. And because we are on the other side of the cross, we know that that lamb, that, that foreshadowed towards Jesus, that all of that was pointing eventually in the Old Testament and the Hebrew Bible is pointing towards Jesus and his sacrifice for you and me. And because of Jesus' steadfast love, because of his faithfulness, and because he went on that cross and died for you and me, iniquity is atoned for. I love that that's in here. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. And this is not like uh, terror. This is not uh, terror of somebody who is who's completely unreasonable. This is when we understand the weight of our sin, when we understand our brokenness, we understand who we are in light of who God is, the proper response is fear. Not terror because God's unreasonable, but because it's awe and wonder and fear. And it is only by surrendering in that way to Jesus that we are changed. When we understand the weight the weight of our brokenness and the weight of who God is in his holiness and how he reached down to save us and how Jesus came down to die for you and me on the cross. That is incredible news. Tim Keller, uh, passed away, pastor in New York, passed away earlier this year, says this. The gospel is this. The good news is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. God holds the good news. And right in the middle of this about plans and about our world, no, no, this is really important. All this matters. God cares about our plans. God cares about what you're dealing with tomorrow. God cares about that crisis at work. God cares about your marriage that is not going well. God cares about that son. Wow. I know, right? God cares about all of these things. God cares about all of these things. But in the midst of that, he says, let me back up and let me show you what I am doing in this world. And what I am doing is rescuing you out of sin and darkness. In verse 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, the only way that we can please God is through Jesus. When God looks at us, he doesn't see what we have done. He looks at what Jesus has done on our behalf. The fancy word for that is, is that God imputes or clothes us with Jesus' righteousness. And when he, we stand before him, he doesn't see our works. He sees Jesus' works. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We are at peace with him. And he even makes his enemies to be at peace with him. Right? That's not our enemies that, that we deal with on a daily basis. Like, oh, this is not going well, this conflict. No, this is the enemies of sin, Satan, and death. We've been rescued by what Jesus has done for us. Next thing, God holds true success. Better is a little with righteousness than, even, than great revenues with injustice. I love this. I love, this is like Solomon's a dad, right? He's writing to his son. This is such a dad thing to say. Like, kid comes home, like, that teacher's so unfair. Oh, well, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Like, this is such a dad thing to say, right? But here's what you need to know. This is a weird thing to say in the middle of Proverbs. If you're a student of Proverbs, if you've ever read Proverbs from beginning to end, if you've, if you've listened to this series at all this summer, you know that... Proverbs in general follows this pattern. Like, let me tell you how you're supposed to live, and then things are going to go better for you. But if you choose this path, if you choose this path, 
man, it's not going to go well for you. Like that in general is how Proverbs is written. And, and in general, it's true. Like you, you do this, I do this, I teach my kids that. Like if, if you work hard in school, chances are you're going to get an A. Does it always work that way? No, but, but if you work hard, man, it's going to go better for you. If you're honest, this is going to go better for you. But, but Solomon knows that this is not how the world works all the time. And he says, sometimes we need to make a choice. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. And what we need to know is that God holds true success. Because here's the definition of success that you and I grew up with. If, you, if, you're, if you're in this culture, if you've been swimming in the water, like this is, this is how we define success. This is how our world defines success. More. Like whatever it is, you just need more. Right? Nobody has ever stepped up to a negotiating table for a job and been like, actually, I'd like to get paid a little bit less. You know, like, I, I think I'm worth a little bit less than that. Nobody's ever gone to a car dealership and said, I hope to pay through the nose. For, like, if you could jack up the price, that would be amazing. No, the definition of success, we want more. But it's not just money. It's not just money. It, it's, it's notoriety. It's likes. It's influence. It, it's being the big dog at work. It's, it's looking better than all the other moms or all the other dads on Instagram. What we want is more. Like, that is the definition of success in our world, but God holds a different definition of success. God holds true success. And, and for those of us who are followers of Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means when we surrender our yes to Jesus every day, what that means is that we choose the way of Jesus over the success of the world. Like, that's, that's just the way it is. And, and over different circumstances, that can look very, very different. Sometimes you may, at work, you may be presented with an option. Say, man, you need to make the sale and you need to lie to this customer. You say, no. Sometimes it's not that black and white. Sometimes all it means is today, man, it's a hard day. My kids, my kids are struggling. I don't know what to do. Like my marriage is not going well. I, I, just, I just don't know what to do today. Some days it's just simply waking up and saying, Jesus, you have my yes. I know the world tells me to deal with my conflict in this way. I know the world tells me to deal with my husband or my wife in this way. I know my world tells me to deal with my kids or my friends or my dreams of a relationship. I know the world, I know what the world tells me to do, but I'm going to give my yes to you because God holds true success, and true success is intimacy with Jesus. That's what Jesus has called us to, and what that means on a daily basis is saying no to me and saying yes to Jesus. God holds true success. Um, Andy Stanley from uh, Atlanta, a pastor in Atlanta, puts it this way. The value of a life is measured in terms of how much of it was given away. Which is true. Right? You don't go to a funeral. I mean, like, we, this, is, this is such a ridiculous illustration because this is talked about all the time. Like, you don't go to a funeral and be like, man, he had, he had all this stuff or he had this job. No, when, when you go to a funeral, I've done a lot of funerals. There's a difference between funerals when people are making up things about somebody to find nice things to say? I've been there. It's awkward. It's bad. And there's a difference between that and a funeral where somebody has spent their life giving their lives away. And there's story after story after story of how this person every day just emptied themselves, gave their lives away, turned over their yes to Jesus. That is the definition of true success. Last thing. God holds our way. God holds our way. Um, verse 9, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. 
Like, if, if you're like me, like I, was, I was that student when I was in school that was, like, always arguing with the teacher and telling them why they were wrong. Like, I was, I was terrible. I should go back and apologize to all my teachers. Um, I, I just, I loved to be right. And, and, and when I felt somebody was constraining me, uh, I just, I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with it. And so when I approach this, sometimes when I read this, and I think maybe some other people do, maybe this is you, the heart of a man plans his way. This is what we talked about in verse 1. Okay, we got our, I got my plan, I got my way. But the Lord establishes his steps. And immediately I read this as, oh, God's going to override me. I want this, but, but God, God doesn't want me to be happy. He's going to override my plans. There's something, something else here. This is, this, this is not what this verse is talking about. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my family went hiking um, down in the Salt Lake Valley up on, uh, on a hill. And uh, there's seven of us, and so it was a train wreck. And we got split into two groups. It just, you know, my, it just is. Okay, I love my family. It was a train wreck. And, but we're, we're having a lot of fun. There's actually some laughter. And we're walking up, and, and we come across um, up a hill, and there's a clearing. Like, we're supposed to be up here to this goal, but we come across to this clearing, and we look out over the clearing, and it's a beautiful view of the Salt Lake Valley. And not only is it a beautiful view of the Salt Lake Valley, but it's a beautiful view of this thunderstorm brewing across the valley and coming our way. And I realize, I look at, I, I was with the, the group of younger kids, so I look at my six-year-old and my nine-year-old and my 12-year-old, and I'm like, make it to the top at all costs. Okay, if I gotta, just, that's just the way I am. And I look at where we're going, and I look at my six-year-old, sorry, six-year-old, that's what I did. I look at my six-year-old, and I look at the storm, and this is just not going to work. And so we start, we start going down. And, and because the storm's coming, I want to get down pretty quickly. And so um, uh, we're, we're walking along. I'm carrying the six-year-old and, and, and my oldest, my, the, the oldest kid with me, my middle child, my 12-year-old, um, for, for, for different reasons. She can't, like, navigate steps sometimes very well. And the way was rocky. You know, sometimes it was paths, sometimes it was dirt. Most of the path was these big rocks, and you've got to kind of figure out where to go, and we're crossing streams. And so because of all that, and because she's having a hard time navigating that, the entire time, I'm telling her where to step. Okay, baby, you gotta, you gotta this is gonna step right here, and you gotta go over here, and that that, log, that rock's a little bit loose, and so as we cross this stream, you're gonna go across this log, and you're gonna you're gonna jump on the uh, on this rock over here, and then I'm gonna be over there to hold you, and I'm gonna pull you. Like it's gonna be fine because I love her, because I care for her. I ordered her steps not because I was trying to override her, but because I wanted the best for her, and I love her. I wanted her to get down safely. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you fight against this. Maybe um, you're the kind of person that says, I don't, I don't want God to override me. And we need a new way to view this because God holds the way. God holds the way. Sometimes he does it because he, he needs to order our steps and he knows what's best for us. And sometimes he does it because we can't see the thunderstorm. And sometimes he does it because we can't see five steps in front of us. And sometimes he does it because he knows the map we have planned out is not the way that we should go. And so he orders our steps in this way. God holds the way. And there's one thing I want, want to leave you with today. It's that God holds your way. Now, what does this have to do with planning? Uh, again, if, you, if you've got a meeting with your boss tomorrow at 9 a.m., you've got to go this way, that way, and it's, it's going to be drastic. I'm not sure this will help you, except to let you know that if that goes terribly, terribly wrong, you are not big enough to mess up that decision. You are not big enough and powerful enough to derail your life like that because God holds your way. So what do we do? Ultimately, every day we hand over our yes to Jesus and we just do the next thing that he asks us to do. 
um, Elizabeth Elliot, um, an author um, whose um, husband was, was killed in Ecuador as a missionary. I mean, amazing story. You should look it up if you've never heard that. But she puts it this way. Somebody who's been through so much and had to make so many decisions and figure out, man, what am I supposed to do next in this tragedy? She says this. Does it make sense to pray for guidance about the future if we are not obeying in the thing that lies before us today? How many momentous events in Scripture depended on one person's seemingly small act of obedience? Rest assured, do what God tells you to do now and depend upon it. You will be shown what to do next. Friends, my hope for us is this, that we just simply surrender our yes to Jesus. Whatever you're facing tomorrow, what decisions will come up this semester or this year, what crisis is on the horizon, God holds the way. And the safest place to be is in his hands. And so may we surrender our yes to him. No matter what decision we're facing, no matter what crisis it is, may that be our path. Let me pray for us. God, I am I'm grateful for all the ways that you have ordered my steps. I'm grateful for, for all the ways that, that I have desired to go one way and because, because you were ordering my steps, because you knew me better than I knew myself. You God, that, that you led me in a better way, that you led me towards Jesus. And so, Father, today, whether we are facing that conversation tomorrow or whether we're just not sure what to do next, May we know that you hold our way, that you care for us, and that, Father, we can trust in what you're doing in our lives. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your wisdom. Would you help us to pursue it and pursue your son, Jesus? We pray these things in his name. Amen.